To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. You remember that advertising gem from Oldsmobile back in the late 1980s? It went down as one of the more infamous ad slogans and campaigns that has ever been used. Oldsmobile doesn't use it anymore for obvious reasons, but pretty much everybody else does. You see, companies kind of took that phrase and they started to repurpose it and reuse it. It's become synonymous with whatever the thing is. This is not your father's root beer. This is not your mother's washing machine. This is not your parents' mortgage broker. The point is to say that this thing is much different than what your parents used. It's newer, it's better, it's faster, it's smarter, it's more intuitive, and therefore, because it's not what your parents used, it's for you. And I wonder if that sentiment doesn't make a day like today sort of awkward. Because that's sort of what it feels like, doesn't it, Jack, Natalia? This is your parents' thing, right? I mean, this is their church, this is their religion, this is their faith. I mean, did either of you ever have an option of whether or not you were going to come to catechism class and be confirmed? No. And yet here you are. They were the ones who wanted this day for you. Which is why so many young people leave their parents' church and their parents' religion and their parents' faith after a day like today. Because they don't want their parents' faith. They don't want their parents' religion. They want to blaze their own path. They want to embark on their own religious or non-religious journey. And in order to do that, they have to get as far away from their parents as they possibly can. Because if this is for your parents, then it's not for you. In the final inspired letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he sends one last word of encouragement to a young man named Timothy. A man that Paul loved and viewed like his own son. As he wrote this second and final letter to Timothy, Paul was in a prison cell. He was waiting to go on trial for his life. And what had he done that deserved such a threat of punishment? 
Well, he was going around the Roman Empire telling people about this man from Nazareth who was crucified and came back to life. And although throughout the 13 years of his ministry, the Apostle Paul had successfully and narrowly avoided being killed himself, he started to get the sense that maybe his time on earth was running short. That he might not escape it this time. And in fact, he was right. But before that end came, Paul wanted to take one last opportunity to do what Paul does so well. As he started this second and final letter, he starts with, well, the way that Paul began so many of his letters. He started with a thanksgiving to God and a prayer for his fellow believers. And as he does, Paul starts to reminisce. He starts to remember. He starts to look back on his life and his relationship with this young man named Timothy. And, and that was tough. Because Paul says, Timothy, I'll never forget your tears. That's how close they were. Two grown men who were crying together. Now, we don't know what they were crying about. Maybe it was Timothy crying when Paul was dragged away to, to be thrown into jail. Maybe that, that look on Timothy's face was the last vision that Paul ever had of him. Or maybe they were tears of joy when Paul ordained Timothy into the pastoral ministry. Ultimately, Paul gets to and remembers what he really wants to talk about. And that is Timothy's faith. But that's part of the problem. Because where did Timothy get his faith from? Paul said, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Oh, Timothy. This was your mom's faith? Not just your mom. This was a multi-generational faith? This was your grandma's faith? Have you ever stopped to think for yourself? Have you ever had an open mind that maybe something outside of your family might have been the true path to enlightenment? Poor Timothy. I, I mean, maybe his faith wasn't even real. Maybe his faith was just something that he said to keep his mom and his grandma off his back. Maybe it's just what he did because he was a product of his environment. I don't know how many people have told me something similar to that over the years, and maybe you've heard this too. Somebody will tell me, you know, Pastor, the only reason I'm a Christian is because my parents are Christians. It's how they raised me. If they had raised me another way, then I probably would be something else. And they, they say that not because they take great joy in that, they say it almost like it's a knock. 
like it's some unfortunate random accident that then cheapens their faith. Like it's a bad thing that they share their parents' faith. Jack and Natalia, I'm going to talk to you two now, but everybody else, listen. Do you want to know why you share your parents' faith? Because when you were born, it was not enough for your parents to simply bring you home and to give you a name and to welcome you into their family. No. You see, they wanted more for you. They loved you so much that they wanted to make sure that they brought you to that, baptet, that baptismal font to make sure that you were given God's name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit written all over your life to make sure that you were welcomed into His family. And it wasn't enough for your parents as you grew older to feed you and clothe you and sign you up for sports and activities to help you grow and, and mature into these wonderful, beautiful young people. No, they wanted more for you. They loved you so much that they made sure to feed your soul with Jesus, the bread of life. They taught you his forgiveness and they reminded you that you are clothed with the white robe of Christ's righteousness, which you're mimicking today. They wanted to help you grow, not just physically, but spiritually and eternally. And it wasn't enough for your parents to work hard, to make sacrifices in order to provide a house for you to live in. No, they wanted more for you. They loved you so much that they made sure to bring you to this house, which week after week points you to the unending joys of your eternal house and the mansions in heaven that await you there, all of which is yours because of the hard work, sacrifice, and suffering that Jesus has done and accomplished for you. You see, it wasn't enough for your parents to simply love you. They wanted more for you. They loved you so much that they wanted you to know above all else that you are loved by God first and that He loves you with an even greater love than your parents could ever give you. Yes, you share your parents' faith. That's what God tells parents to do. And Lord willing, the day will come when you will be able to share this same faith with your own children. I'm blessed to say, this is my parents' faith. This is my grandma's faith. And this is true for many of you who are here today. We all share it. And do you know why? Because this isn't just some faith. This is the faith. It is the only faith in the only God who can save you. And so while most of the congratulations 
and God's blessings and, and prayers will be directed toward you two this morning, it is, an all, it is also an opportunity to say thank you and God's blessings, and we will be praying for you to your parents and all of the parents who are here today. As you continue to carry out the difficult but godly work of bringing up your children in the way and instruction of the Lord, and may God grant you the strength to continue doing so. All that said, I'm going to totally change gears here. This is not your parents' faith. And here's what I mean by that. I don't say that like the ad wizards at Oldsmobile trying to make the Christian faith sound cool and new and, 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 and something that is you know, going to be totally out of this world and never seen before. No. I say that because your parents cannot believe for you. This is very much your faith. Paul goes out of his way to communicate that very thing to Timothy. Did you hear it? He emphasizes, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul says Timothy's faith was sincere. It was genuine. It wasn't an accident or just something that he did to appease his family. It was as real for Timothy as it was for his mom and it was for his grandma. This faith, the faith, lived inside Timothy. And so Paul stops talking about parents and grandparents for a moment and specifically addresses Timothy's faith. And here's what he says. Faith, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And there's another very real and dangerous temptation for young people on a day like today. To think that today is sort of like your graduation from the faith. That you've done it. You made it. You did everything that was ever asked of you and you finally can be done. You can sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, and this is all I want to know. No. Paul says that's not how it works. He pictures your faith, our faith, like a, like a coal or a burning ember in a fire. And he wants Timothy to wrestle with this picture of what happens to that ember when you take it out of the fire. What happens to your faith when you remove it from the flame of God's word and sacrament? What happens when you remove yourself, when you remove your faith? from the warmth of the communion of saints and the fellowship of God's people. At one time in our lives, haven't we all thought, I'm going to be the ember that can stand and, and, and last on my own. I, I don't need any of this. I don't need any of you. I'll be fine because I know God. I pray. My faith is good. Paul says, no. 
But that's not the way the Christian faith works. He encourages each of you and really all of us as fellow believers, as members of God's family, to flame the, to, to fan into flame this faith so that we might burn and, and shine bright in a dark and dying world. Because did you hear how Paul described this gift, this spirit, this faith that lives inside you? Paul transitions from just talking to Timothy now to really talking to all of us. As he invites all Christians in on the conversation, and this is true of every Christian, Paul says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. What does this faith that's living inside you look like out in the world? Well, first of all, Paul says it is not a timid faith. It is not a fearful faith. Well, why? What is it that causes you to fear? You start going through your list of things that terrify you, and a lot of them can be boiled down to this, that there's some sort of knowledge that you lack. So we're, we're afraid of the future because we don't know what's going to happen. Or we're afraid of a diagnosis because we don't know how bad it's going to get or how painful it's going to be or how it's going to turn out. And we're afraid of what's going on in the world around us. Is the pandemic still going? Look at what's happening to the economy. What does it mean for my job, my family? If we're being honest, we're afraid of death. Maybe, maybe not in the same way that most people are, but we don't know when it's going to be and what will it mean for those I leave behind. And while I don't have the answers to many of your future concerns, I know the one who does have those answers, and so do you. It is the God who invites you to cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you like no one else. The God who tells you not to worry about tomorrow, what you will wear or eat or drink. He says, you know what? Unbelievers, pagans, people who don't know God, that's what they chase after in this life, but not you. Because you know that you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need even before you do and promises to provide it. This is the God who tells you not to fear or mourn death like the rest of the world which lives without hope because your God has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This spirit, this faith, is not timid because Paul says it has power. Do you know what you are capable of as a Christian? You have been armed with a message that can finally and forever set a burdened and guilty conscience free forever. You have a message that can raise those who are dead in sin to live a whole new life in Christ. You have a message so powerful that not even the gates of hell can overcome it. And at the same time, you have a message that is so powerful, it can throw open the gates of heaven to those who believe it. 
The message of Christ crucified and risen, Paul says in both Romans and 1 Corinthians, this is the power of God and the wisdom of God for the salvation of all who believe. And what does he do with this powerful message? He entrusts it to people like us. This spirit, this faith, it's overflowing with love. But not love the way the world knows it, which allows everything and therefore stands for absolutely nothing. No, this is agape love. This is the love that is born in the heart and mind of God, which means that this love, your love, first and foremost, loves what God loves. Well, what does God love? God loves the truth. To call sin, sin. And to forgive that sin on account of Jesus Christ. God also loves the world, and by world I mean the people of this world. He loves them to such an extent that he was willing to send his only begotten son into this world among these people to live, suffer, die, and rise all for them. Think about that. You have been given every reason to love every person you will ever meet in this life. Because all you need to know about them is that Jesus saw them as being worth giving up his life to win. And so Jesus says, love them like I love them. Finally, the spirit, this faith, is one that exercises self-control. You don't get swept up in the ever-changing cultural tides of this world, going from one extreme to the next, because you have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because you have the rock-solid, firm foundation of God's Word, because you stand on the shoulders of other believers and not just your parents, but generation and generations of saints, prophets, apostles, and therefore, you can make sober-minded, God-guided, Scripture-informed, wise decisions. Armed with God's Word and strengthened by your baptism, you can say no to sin and temptation. Because at your baptism, you died to sin. And it no longer rules over you. Do you see why today is such a big deal? Do you see why we are so excited to celebrate with you and for you? Because all of this is what is being confirmed in you. The gift of faith and the indwelling of God's Spirit. The fact that God has kept every promise that He has ever made to you, the promises that He made to you at your baptism, He is faithful, He is trustworthy, and today is yet another example, another proof. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. Despite being arguably the most infamous ad campaign in American history, it was a colossal failure. In fact, it's still taught in advertising uh, classrooms, advertise, uh, advertising classrooms on college campuses around the country today as an example of what can happen if you blow this ad. 
and the people at Oldsmobile blew it. Remember how I said Oldsmobile doesn't use this ad anymore? Well, that's because about a decade after they ran it, the last Oldsmobile car ran off the assembly line in my hometown of Lansing, Michigan. You see, there was something about this idea that the younger generation wants nothing to do with what was important to their parents. Apparently, that really wasn't the case. The younger generation was interested in what their parents were interested in. And a whole company folded because of it. The younger generations aren't as turned off by the things of their parents as people think. Jack, Natalia, this is your parents' faith. And there is absolutely no reason to be ashamed of that. In fact, thank God for that. Thank God that they so love you that they made sure it was your faith. And it is. All of it. Gifted to you by God the Father, strengthened and sustained by His Son, Jesus Christ, and sanctified by His Spirit today and always. Amen.